0: Oh, well, good morning. I was just thinking as um, Neil was sharing that awesome letter that you wrote that I'll just close in prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to work this afternoon, so we'll end early anyhow. Actually, that's very, it's really awesome because what Neil wrote is very much the theme of what I'm speaking about today as well. So either he copied my notes or I copied his but um, we're going to be on the same wavelength today. And really what I'm calling this morning's uh, message while we have our time together is Expecting the Unexpected. We're going to turn to a passage in the Old Testament. I don't want to give it up just at the moment, but we'll be going there and I want to see if a little, as your mind is thinking, if you can think of this verse in a second of where I might be going. But like uh, Dean said as well, this has been a fast year, hasn't it? I mean, here we are in November. And uh, for myself, and I know I'm not alone, if we were all to share this afternoon with each other, there would be many, many things that have happened over the year. So far, we still have December, that have occurred. And for me, it's been one of the uh, probably craziest years of activity, as well as the variety of emotions. As you will recall, there was a funeral for my father in January. Then there was the thing of selling a home of 50 years a short time after that that I grew up in and that they lived in, placing my mother in a uh, an assisted living facility, um, and then who just recently again has been ill and been in and out of the hospital for the last five weeks, back at Danville Rehab here in, in the Danville area, back to hopefully her apartment in San Ramon this week. Of course, not just that, an awesome wedding in May, uh, another one last week. Possibly another one next year. I always remember when someone said, you know, when they heard that I had four daughters, I didn't understand it when they were this size, when people would just look at me and go, wow, you know, (laughs) poor guy, almost. With that, then, of course, the adjustment of expecting the unexpected. In one sense, you don't know how this is all going to work, what it's like when your children move out of the home. That can be an adjustment for us parents. And, of course, there's the job with lots of overtime and stress there, not to mention just having my own wife to take care of and all the other things that have gone on with life. I'd say this has been, for me, a, a crazy year, a busy year. Some of these events we were very well aware of and they were expected. And if you think of this in your life, this is how it happens, isn't it? Some of them are planned and then there's the unplanned. The weddings were a, a total joy, I'm happy with the son-in-law's. So far, <laughs> but the death, of course, of a parent and the illness of a now a mother uh, are difficult and they continue to be a challenge. And you have been in those shoes, I'm sure, as well. And I was thinking as I was just over the last week thinking about this year and how the word of God is food for our soul, you know, what, what's a good What's a good passage that is a reminder about how to deal with this whole issue of expecting the unexpected? And where I was led by, the, I believe, the Holy Spirit was it's one of the best love verses in the Bible. That's the first clue. Many know it by heart. You'll see it on plaques and, and posters. A lot of you have probably committed it to memory. You find it on graduation cards I see one guest there. No, I don't believe so, if I heard right. It's shared with the sick or those who are discouraged or in some kind of a difficult situation. It may be the only verse known from this rather large Old Testament book. It's 52 chapters in its length, this book. And interestingly enough, among an interesting website of favoritebibleverses.com, if I understand that right logo, it's number 29th in ranking, (laughs) Of those who rank, of course, John 3:16 comes in number one, but it's rightly so that it's a very popular verse because it gives a lot of comfort for us and it gave a lot of comfort to the Israelites and it's found in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, anybody was guessing Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. Did you say that Dean? Excellent. Dean was right there. Very good. So let's turn your Bibles if you would to Jeremiah 29. We're just going to look at a couple of verses here. It's a difficult book. There's a lot of uh, heaviness in here. The Israelites are in exile. They're in Babylon. It's really important to understand the context of where verse 11 that we that rightly so we use and we apply. But it's important to understand the context of where verse 11 is. And just for the sake of time, we're going to take from verse four to 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile From Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease and seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you and do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have gone completed in Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. Fascinating passage of of scripture. And there is a ton here. And the brother asked me this morning, what are my verses? I said, basically, this is it. There's a couple of others. And time won't even allow to really go into this one. It's really important to understand the background, as I said, of the situation here. The single most important fact you want to walk out with from understanding the context is that this was written to the. Jewish exiles that were in Babylon. They'd been forcibly removed from Jerusalem by an interesting character, a wicked king named Nebuchadnezzar. They were uprooted from all that they held dear. And now they were living hundreds of miles away from their home. And they were in this very center of a place that was full of pagan worship. And all their dreams and hopes and whatever their understandings were of what life would be like, Had been changed. They were dashed. Or if you want another word that rhymes with dashed, they were smashed. And maybe there's a couple other words as well. And maybe some of them thought, how could this happen? How could it happen this way that God would do this to us? How did we end up here? What's going on? Some of them thought, and it was a false confidence, that they would never end up in Babylon. Babylon. And then for others, they went into despair because they thought they would never get out of Babylon God in his comfort and in his words here through Jeremiah tells them this is what to expect. You will. But right now, this is where I have you for my purposes, for the discipline that you are under. And if you think about it, when you think of this story in Jeremiah, we sort of face the same issues, don't we? We sometimes expect what God has never promised. We kind of have this idea that this is how God is going to work. And we don't have a Bible verse to prove it. It's just in our thought process. This is how God is going to work in my life. And this is what he's going to do. It's going to be all utopia. You ever think that? It's going to be all bliss. And matter of fact, for some who, since you've become a believer... In the short term, as far as life here on earth, it's been difficult for others. It's been absolutely wonderful, but we're not all and God doesn't deal with us all the same in our situations, does he? So not only is that a pitfall for us to expect what God has never promised, but another expectation we have is to refuse or another problem we have is to refuse to believe what he has promised So we kind of think that God's going to work this way because that's how I want him to work, which is wrong thinking. And then the very things that he has promised us, that he has told us to be absolutely certain of and be have our hope in and our trust. in, sometimes that's the thing we find difficult to believe. When, for example, he tells us in Matthew, do not worry. And he goes on to cite the very reasons why we don't have to worry. And yet there's something in our thinking that thinks that you're actually being a good parent or a good person or you're being conscientious. If you do worry and you're going to take on the worry of the world and at night when you lay your head down or if you work nights and you lay your head down in the morning, you're thinking, you know, I'm just I'm going to worry. And you start getting anxious about what's going on in your, your life or another one that you love. Someone has said God will not always do what we expect him to do, but he will always do what he says He will do. And that's something that we can take huge encouragement today, right? Right? Amen. Because we don't ever have to say, well, you know, you said this, but I don't really see you following through. And that's not the case with our God. He's faithful and he does everything he's promised to us. Like that wonderful verse from Psalm this morning that was read. When I was reading through this and I was just thinking about the last 11 months for the White House, the Western White House, uh, in California, I was thinking, what, how does Jeremiah 29 really apply? And I want to go into it, and I think it's going to also apply to you, too, no doubt. A couple of things I saw when I was reading here is God tells to Jeremiah, you know, with everything that's going on in your life, you're, some of these things were unexpected to you. You didn't really understand that this was what's going to happen for the duration it was going to happen, 70 years. The interesting thing is that life still goes on, doesn't it? He tells them. This is what I want you to do. I want you to continue to build houses. I want you to settle down. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to marry. I want you to raise a family. In other words, whatever these false prophets are telling you, don't believe it because you're going to be here a while. And this is the scenario. So I want you to settle down into the things of life, things that are occurring. And while God has us here, this is part of our life, isn't it? Life still goes on. When you're in that kind of situation where you're just ridden with uh, whether it's sorrow or whether it has to do with just anxiety, whether it has to do with the things like a loss of a job, what we were hearing about in God miraculously and wonderfully and just like him answered. Or it's something else that occurred, a sickness or some other issue in our life. The thing is, is life still goes on. And so God's encouragement to them His encouragement to me and my encouragement to you is keep pressing on. Keep going. There's days where you just maybe want to just say, I give up. Not in the sense of where you're relinquishing and saying, you know what, God, it's all under yours. It's all your control. But where you just say, you know, I just feel like quitting. I don't really want to get out of bed. Maybe you've been there before. Or you just want to detach yourself from all those who maybe know you and even love you. And it's just a case of saying, I'm just going to kind of go hide. And it's not a really good place to be. And God here says, keep going, keep moving. Remember when the children of Israel, they had their situation. God had wonderfully delivered them from the hands of Pharaoh. They think, wow, that was unexpected. We didn't think it was going to happen that way. But yet they're on their way. And of course, they get to the Red Sea. They got mountains on one side. They got desert on the other. And they got an Egyptian army behind them. But they got this sea. what are they going to do? And Neil said it very well. He said, there's times when you have to be still, and that's exactly what Moses told the Israelites to do. Be still. Wait on God and see how he's going to work here. And then at the right time, he told them, now, start moving. Get going. And so in faith, they went ahead. And then we know the wonderful miracle of how the Red Sea parted, and they crossed. And yet when the Egyptians were coming, the sea came back on, and they were destroyed. God might be saying to you today, don't, don't quit. Whatever is this unexpected and all these things that are happening in your life, keep going. And another thing he saw, and I, you saw it here as we read this passage, just these uh, ten verses together, is he's also saying, keep on praying. This is, this is huge. Um, the times when we're, we're hurting the most or when we're going through the most anxiety or the life changes that are occurring in our life, whether they're the good ones or the ones that are the difficult ones, is keep on talking to God about it. Because the comforting thing is the unexpected to us is not unexpected to God. He knows exactly what's going on. He knew it well before you and I ever knew it. And he knows what's happening tomorrow and he knows what's happening next week and he knows what's happening next month in our lives. And so what God wants is he wants this dialogue with us where we're conversing with him and we're talking about it. Sometimes, you know, when you have things happening in your life, maybe you're like me, sometimes just want to kind of go silent. You just sort of want to be quiet, which isn't always a bad thing. But there's times where you just withhold and you're not and somebody's saying to you, what are you thinking about? And You don't really even know what to say or you don't want to maybe even say it. Now, there's a time when that's a good thing, too. But there's a time when it's good to open up and talk and communicate. And with God, he wants us to talk to him. And he wants us when I say to keep on praying. That's what I'm talking about doing. Don't exclude God with whenever these situations are that are going on in your life. This is the time all the more to be including God, because he's not going to, as we're going to see shortly, he's not going to miss it. And he's not going to say, OK, I'm kind of bored with it now. Let's move on. He wants to keep hearing what it is that we have to say to him. And matter of fact, the interesting thing is, is in this very place of where they are, God through Jeremiah says, I want you to pray for your enemies. I want you to pray for the very people here who have you in exile. And this is also consistent with what's where Paul says this to Timothy. To pray for governors and kings and those who are in authority. I love in Psalm 10. You don't need to turn to, it, but Psalm 10, where you have in verse one this question that the psalmist has, and he's praying to God. and He says, "Why do you stand afar, O God? Why does this stand, stand afar off, O Lord?" And he's he's talking to the Lord and he's saying, "You know, you seem far away, God, right now in this period of unexpected stuff that's happening in my life." And yet, as he goes on in Psalm 10, he then goes on to say then in verse 14. That's not verse 14. I'm sorry. He goes on in another verse where he goes on to say, you know what, that God, you do take care of me. You do provide for me. Psalm 13, he says the same thing. He says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And this is sometimes something that we struggle with. We're saying that it just seems like with whatever you're putting me through, I, 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 I get this sense that you've forgotten me. And he said, how long will you hide thy face from me? Psalm 13. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? But the awesome thing is, is as he's pouring out these thoughts to God, then there's a shift in his thinking. And as he's starting to reflect and as God is speaking back to him, He says, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have overcome him, lest my adversaries rejoice when I am shaking. But I have trusted in thy loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So he starts in a certain direction where God seems to be completely far away. Can't hear his voice. But it is enlightening as he's talking. It's changing. It's changing. And I encourage you, as I've had to do a number of times this year, when you're just pouring out your heart to God on whatever it is, you might think, My, it's, I'm just, it's just going to the ceiling. I, I, don't, I don't get any sense I, that I hear God at all. And yet, if we persist, and if we persist, God will begin to reveal his answer to us. Whether it's through another person here in the church, in the body here at San Ramon, or through his own word, or however he chooses to do it, he begins to speak to you. And you go, and I'm so glad that I was talking to him about it rather than withholding. And then another point, and this is where the meat and the potatoes is for our next few minutes uh, together, is not only that keep on going, life keeps on going, it doesn't stop. Keep on praying. And then remember, and this isn't profound, but it's just what we need, isn't it, sometimes, to just remember the big picture. We come to verse 11 and when we read those verses, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and your hope. It reminds me of this, that God is thinking about me. He's thinking about you all the time. I know the thoughts that I think about you. I know these plans. I'm thinking about you. You think about it here and we go with each row of, pre- of us here today. God's thinking about you. God's thinking about you. God's thinking about Mike. God's thinking about Laura and Matt. He's thinking. He's thinking. He's considering us. He knows us. He remembers us. He keeps us in mind. He knows who we are. He knows where we're at. And I don't mean just physically here that I know that we're here in San Ramon today. Yes, yes, I know that my children are there in San Ramon. Yes, that's true. But he also knows where we're at as far as in our walk with him. He knows. He knows right now if we're distracted. He knows right now if our priorities are maybe a little bit off kilter. And you know what? He still loves us. And he's there with us. And he says, I understand where you're at. If you're a parent today, you know that fear when sometimes you lose track of where your children are. You you may be in a store and next thing you know, you say, "Where's? they're gone. And your heart just sinks to your feet. God never loses us. He doesn't have to have a GPS tracking device on us to make sure where we are. We are never lost or forgotten for his heart. and This is what's so great about it. It's so big and his knowledge is so vast that he can do this. When you think of all the kids... God's kids that he has today that are walking on the face of the earth. you know, you and I would be we'd be lost if we had more than probably six or seven. I know some folks who have. And when we lived in Ireland, had 13 children all living under the same roof. But you think of the millions of children today that God is taking care of in his family. And he knows us all. He's not losing track of anything. He doesn't forget. He's thinking about us all the time. But the reality is we don't always think about God and we certainly don't always think about each other. I forget. It's happened a couple of times I've forgotten birthdays. I am so far have never forgotten an anniversary. Um, graduations, that one holiday in February, Valentine's Day and other special occasions. And there have been times when I have forgotten that Mother's Day, Father's Day. And I've had to run to the store early in the morning to get what the card. But guess what? I'm not alone. There's other men that are there, too. (laughs) And we're all trying to go over the last few cards that are left on the very day. And then we forget names, don't we? This is a real struggle at times. I was at a wedding recently, not the one last week, but the one that I was uh, speaking at doing the ceremony of last month. And thankfully, it wasn't for the groom. But I and I work with the fella. I was calling him the wrong name all night. I thought his name was Jason. And I found out when I saw him the next day and I looked up his name. It was Brian. (laughs) And the weird thing was he never corrected me. Uh, The um, fellow that I was going to marry or that we married. They kept telling me at work, they were trying to give me a different guy's name. but It was with the same last name. They kept saying, say Antoine, say Antoine, say Antoine. So when I had to pronounce them as man and wife, they wanted me to throw it all off and say Antoine and Angela, I now marry you. But I wasn't wrong on that part, but I couldn't remember his name. And some of us, you know, we just love those name tags that help us and we need to see it. But God doesn't forget our name and he knows all about us. You know, there's that saying that says that this person has the mind of an elephant. And I've often wondered about, well, how does anybody know what the mind of an elephant's like? I I, I worry about how much of our tax dollars have been spent on that one. (laughs) But there's some folks who have the mind of an elephant, but it's directed toward they remember all the things that have happened. that's an offense. Yeah, I hear that. And you just can you can cite the day and you can cite the the hour that this person did this and this. And yet the other good things that have happened and the things that God wants us to really remember and not hold on to and forgive and forget is those things. Not only does God thinking about us all the time, but I'm also from this passage and from this year reminded that he doesn't, as I've just alluded to, he doesn't forget. And Neil brought this out so well. He doesn't forget his children. Psalm 9, verse 10, those who know your name will trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Isn't that awesome? Never, never forsaken. That's a 100% track record that our God has with us. Verse 19, as we're looking at this passage, he says, you know what? I or sorry, verse 11, I've been thinking about you all the time. Twila Paris said, God is in control. This was a song from a long time ago. Probably a number of you may wonder who's Twila Paris, but she sang a song that said, God is in control. We believe that his children will not be forsaken. God is in control. We will choose to remember and never be shaken. Jews really needed to hear this. Because in verse 10, they had come across that verse for thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed in Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. I remember over the last year, sometimes my wife would honestly say, you know, one of the things and she felt so bad about it and sometimes thinking, God, have you forsaken, you know, not her per se, but it was difficult for her. With my mother, because on the day that my, we had our, uh, my dad's funeral in January, she was in the hospital with blood clots and couldn't go to the funeral. And then it came out to the wedding last week, and she wasn't able to go to the wedding, because she was in her sick bed in that situation. And sometimes in these situations, and it was really she was crying over it because she said, "I feel terrible because I, I feel and I'm, I have to be honest, she goes, "I'm kind of upset with God." And and we talked about it, and I said, you know, and I knew, but I said, you know, there was this, and now there's this, and there's been all the in-between, and couldn't God, in his wisdom, couldn't he just kind of let up a little bit on her, just for a time, so she could experience these things? And she said, you know, I I feel terrible, that's what I'm thinking. And she went to the Lord, and we prayed about it, and she realized God's in control. He doesn't... Forsake us, and these things that we don't understand here on earth right now, we may not fully on this side of heaven. But one day He'll reveal it. And so, when we're tempted to say, "Lord, what are You doing? Why is this happening? Why, why are You putting, why are You putting this trial on this person right now?" It's good. it's good to redirect that question, isn't it, and start to just trust in God. And to trust that he knows exactly what he's doing. And as he says here from verse 11, I know the plans that I have for you. And isn't that the key? I know. He doesn't say you need to know. He doesn't say that Randy needs to know. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. And you know what? I'm going to trust myself to this one who knows. Who knows me, who created me, and who formed me. Who had his son die for me. And you know what? I'm finding it a little easier and a little easier as time goes on. And maybe you are, too, to say, you know what? I don't have to know like I thought I needed to know anymore about why this happens to me, why this happens to someone else, what you're doing, God, because I can trust you. I can say now that I know that God has a plan and I'm totally happy to admit that I maybe sometimes don't have a clue or it's not clear to me what he's doing. But you know what? That's okay. He's God and I'm not. And I'm okay with that. And there are some folks maybe that just have to understand exactly why, 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 why. And God isn't going to necessarily tell you that. If you want to ask him, you go right ahead. And I don't know what he's going to tell you. But I don't have to know. And if you're a control freak, and I say that with a smile and with much love, it is a lesson, isn't it, in just relinquishing absolute control. And it's an opportunity to trust. The controller, the one who really has control. And the other thing that's a comforting passage in here for me or in this verse, I'm sorry, part of verse 11 is that God's thoughts toward you and I are good. You know, there's a lot of times people are thinking and you, you sort of wonder, I wonder what they're thinking about me. Maybe it's often at the workplace or somewhere else and you hear that little whisper. And you kind of get a sense that they're talking about you, but you don't get the sense that it would be something good or they'd probably be able to say it to your face. It's that little kind of a whisper. Or maybe sometimes walking during the day, like I do at my job, and maybe it comes with being a supervisor, I sometimes feel this thing in my back, you know, on a certain day. I think, oh, you know, somebody just stabbed me in the back. Probably happened at the workplace. But God's thought for us are good I don't know if uh, you asked this question, but I'd sort of like to ask it with, to people. Sometimes I'll say to Cindy or to someone else, uh, what are you thinking? I, I just see this stare, you know, and I'm sort of curious. What are, you, what are you thinking? Reminds me of a clip that maybe you saw on YouTube where there was that analogy story. It was a commercial for learning the English language. And it's that German Coast Guard clip where there's a. Two uh, folks with the German Coast Guard who are speaking. One's a trainee, and the, his trainer walks out of the room. And sure enough, right when he walks out of the room, over the radio waves comes from a guy on a ship, and he's speaking in clear English: "Mayday, Mayday, we are sinking, we are sinking." And the fellow, and it's kind of somewhat garbled, but clear enough to hear. And, and then this fellow gets on, and he goes, "Hello, this is the, the the German Coast Guard." And the man goes, "We are sinking." And then he says, what are you thinking about? And uh, (laughs) so when I ask that question, what are you thinking? God's thoughts about us are that he's always thinking good things. And why this verse is so good, another translation say like this, that another way to translate verse 11 is on this portion, that he's thinking thoughts of peace, not thoughts of evil. Plans to take care of you not abandon you, plans for good and not for disaster. Now, in all of this, and it's in the context of 2911 that I read beforehand and what was going on with the Israelites in all of this, expecting the unexpected. Part of it is he doesn't promise exemption, does he, from the difficult things in life? It's been said by someone I sent you to Babylon I am thinking of you while in Babylon. I have not forgotten you in Babylon. I am with you in Babylon. I will give you a future in Babylon, and I will bring you home from Babylon. He doesn't promise that there isn't going to be this stuff, as we well know, that like for Daniel's friends who were in that fiery furnace, That's sometimes what God does in our lives. And James talks about this and Romans talks about this, about when God puts us through these times of stressors in life, whether it's unemployment or whether it's sickness or whether it's the change of a location or whether it's the the death of a loved one or whatever it might be that's causing those issues. Maybe it's persecution from someone you love. Maybe it's being ridiculed for your faith. Whatever it might be, he doesn't promise any kind of exemption status for us. But. And as we just rapidly, rapidly are closing here, God intends to give us a future, though, as verse 11 says, it's filled what with hope, not hopelessness, but with hope. Another way that this is worded is that God wants to give us what so we know it is, is he's going to give you an expected end. There's going to be an expected outcome. It's not just that we're in whatever we're in and there's just kind of an ambiguous Ambiguity kind of on God's part, and it's just kind of vague out there what he's doing. And and it's almost as though maybe is God drifting along with us and whatever he has us in. Not that at all, but that there's an expected end to whatever it is that he has us in. Now, the Israelites, they couldn't understand this at the time. The same God who raised up a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, to judge him was going to raise up another pagan king, Cyrus, to deliver them. And that's exactly what he did, and neither king was aware that he was a part of God's plan. And yet he was. And they were, in fact, exiled. And they were uh, delivered from exile, I should say. So wrapping up, when you think about wherever you're at, whatever those ex- unexpected things that are, you should be maybe expecting in life, because that's just part of the package that God has us in, I would just encourage you, brothers and sisters, to submit yourself first afresh to God today again. Lord, you know, say it to him. Lord, you know, even when I don't know, nothing in my life is happening by chance. Nothing for my loved ones is happening by chance. And whatever it is that they're going through, whether they're my sons or daughters or my wife, anybody that is in my immediate circle of of loved ones, family, friends, God is taking care of them. And I don't have to, to worry. One of my daughters who's here today, my only daughter who's here today, would actually would say, and I'll be honest, and admit there are times where I have tried at times to just do the be the place of God in, in their lives. And you know what? It's kind of cool to now just be able to step back and let God be their God in their life and not try and micromanage what maybe a good father wants to do, but just to step back and say, you know what? She's the Lord's or any of my other kids who know Christ or any of my other family or friends. Let him be. Able for that task. And he's up for it. There's a song by a group out right now that says, whatever you're doing inside of me, it feels like chaos. But now I can see that there's something bigger than me. Larger than life. Something heavenly. Something heavenly. And so when God is at work in us and those things are going on, it's chaos, isn't it? It... Being unemployed for seven months, uh, a little over that, nobody would would actually say, God, will you do that for me? You know, it's not something where we fall into that situation that we want. Or if it's to be on our sickbed or if it's all of a sudden the separation of someone that you love, we don't we don't want that. And yet God knows. In that chaotic situation, whatever it is, it's an opportunity to draw closer to him and trust him. And secondly. I trust brothers and sisters will have, and I know that this was even touched on last week uh, as you you heard the word, an ever-increasing hope in the Lord. And again, wherever that situation there is, and I was talking to one of my daughters who happens to be a nurse at Children's and talking about being with parents at uh, Children's Hospital who have kids who are undergoing a terminal illness or sick kids that are in an ICU ward. Um, Unless you have the Lord, it's difficult to understand how to say have an ever increasing hope in the Lord. It's only in him, isn't it? If you're having marriage struggles today and if you're not today, you might next year, maybe a few years from now, there may be some rocky patch rejection from those you've trusted. Again, issues with help. God says, keep your trust in me during those times. A few months ago, there was a brother where we attend who was sharing that he had had cancer and he sat and couldn't stand any longer uh, in front of us. And he shared his testimony. He had pancreatic cancer. And what an encouragement of just listening to a man who had his hope in the Lord. He was wasting away only a couple weeks ago to be with the Lord. But here we were privileged a few months ago to listen to him on the stage. And rather than absolutely falling apart. Rather than denying God and cursing God, here he was with an incredible, amazing peace and calm knowing that unless God chose to do something very quickly and very suddenly in his life, that within a few short weeks or months, he would be going to be with him. And he did. God took him home. And then lastly, God is glorified. And we are improved because we take on more and more of his likeness when God puts us through that furnace time like the three friends of Daniel did in Daniel chapter 3. So maybe today you're in that furnace time. You're having to wait on God to direct and show you his will. You know, they cranked it up. The king there cranked it up seven times than it normally was as far as in order to try and scald those guys and burn them to death. And we know the outcome. They didn't get touched. And another fact, there was a fourth person that was in there. And that's the thing that I want to comfort you today, that you're not alone in all of this. There's that other person, like that fourth person who is with those three, who's there with you and standing by your side. Let's pray. Lord, we want to just thank you that you're a God that we can talk to today and we can just pour out our hearts and all the the craziness of what can occur in a, in a year, let alone in a month or a week or a day that, God, it isn't a surprise to you that you're fully in control and you're sovereign and you know exactly what you're doing. Just want to thank you so much that you have this kind of love and care for your children today and that you invite us to be very transparent with you and to talk to you and just to watch as we wait to see how you lead and guide in our lives. Father, we pray that as your children that we will, uh, even this coming week, be able to exhibit to those around us, that we do not fret and worry and grieve and even uh, behave like those who have no hope, but that, God, we would be those who show an awesome kind of peace and calm in whatever circumstances or whatever those expected or unexpected situations that might occur this coming week, that we have a God that we can trust. And we pray that we will do that and that you'll be glorified as a result. Pray you bless us just as we go this coming day uh, for the rest of the afternoon and that you'll um, be pleased in all that we would say and do, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.